four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. Yes! Bearcat Blitz, another show firing off on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Russ Heltman. You can check us out on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, all of those podcast platforms, any podcast platform. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show there. And you can also check us out on Talking Catch with Russ Heltman, the YouTube page. Just look up Talking Catch with Russ Heltman. You'll find all the shows there as well for the visual medium. And we, of course, are airing on Bally Sports Ohio weekly during the basketball and football seasons, a basketball season that just took a massive gut punch to the heart of the Bearcats in a Heartland-type rivalry against West Virginia. 69-65 loss. Neil Meyer, my co-host, joining me right now. We'll get to that in just a moment. But before we do, we got to tell you about Bet Online. It's playoff time in the NFL. It's Super Bowl time. In the NFL and Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and betting lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Neil, I'll open the floor to you, my man. 69 65 loss for the Bearcats. We got to pick up the pieces to start. We're going to dive into kind of the, the latest injury updates we're going to get a big one on thursday night from west miller during his radio show john newman now on the mend with a ailment that looked like something to do with his torso to end that game cj frederick also still working back from hamstring he went through a workout in the pregame warm-up so we'll get an update there tonight from from west miller but neil and i will assess those situations ahead of that and then a preview of texas tech Pop Isaacs and the Texas Tech Red Raiders, 11-0 at home this season. Top 15 team and a four-game run of quad one opponents about to start back up for UC despite going uh, going 0-1 in their latest quad three matchup. The first quad three loss or quad four loss, Neil, of the season for the Bearcats. They fall 69-65. The offense continues to be an absolute mess. Nobody can do anything really efficiently outside of John Newman III at this point, consistently game to game. And the season has entered crossroads territory. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, it was a it was a heartbreaking loss last night. You're up 60 to 50 with about six minutes left. And then next thing you know, West Virginia is on a 19 to 5 run to end the game. And they didn't even shoot the ball that well that well. West Virginia didn't. I mean, you hold Raekwon battle to 10 points, that's a a, a win in itself if you can hold a caliber player like him to 10 points but down the stretch it was just clock management poor shot selection and that is what ultimately hurt the Bearcats I mean you're looking at the stat differential here West Virginia shot 22 free throws in the second half compared to just two for West Miller and the Bearcats that in itself kept the Mountaineers in this game and that was what propelled the comeback there. I mean, they had momentum early in the second half. I thought that they could have maybe flipped it and put this thing out of reach potentially or build some momentum back up. But then Jamil Reynolds gets the silly technical foul. And it was a turned into a four-point momentum switch because he gets the layup and backs his defender down, backs his guy and gets the layup. But then he just has to kind of showboat coming down the court is what it appeared on the TV broadcast. 
pointed towards the West Virginia bench, gets a technical foul, results in two free two made free throws from Kirk Carissa, and then another made basket, and it was a four-point swing that ended up giving West Virginia a 46-44 to lead. And just like that, in those momentum kind of situations, you got to control your emotions and you can't can't really do anything that will allow them to come back in with easy buckets because right there, I think that's when West Virginia started to build their momentum because that was a play where they could have built off, UC could have built off of it. But in the end, a quick, quick celebration turned into a four point swing for the Mountaineers and they just went on from there. But Jesse Edwards was an absolute problem for the Bearcats last night. And I mean, that was something Russ, we talked about was how would he respond and coming off the broken wrist. And next thing you know, it's a, 25, uh, 10 rebound, double, double performance. And what was it, I mean, 11 of 17, something like that. Hyper efficient. 11 for 17 and a perfect nine for nine in the second half. And when Victor Locken was struggling there, obviously still coming off the illness conditioning was maybe a factor in that obviously being so sick. Uh, that it was his worst out. game. It was his worst game as a Bearcat. That's what we could say. I mean, Oh, for five from the field. He was an abject disaster. I think he had what? He had five rebounds, so that was solid at no, least. He no, three, he had three. three only had three, three rebounds, four turnovers. I mean, 0 for 4 from the three-point line. Hadn't practiced his, his three-point shot in over a week, according to Wes Miller, and he does not, decides, Victor Locken does, in the final minute of this game, in a fulcrum, fulcrum contest, with you sitting roughly between a 50 and 60% chance to make the NCAA tournament. You cannot afford to lose this basketball game, and a guy as rusty as shot broken as Victor Lockins is five of 30 from three since the Xavier game, he decides to take that shot. It was a, it was an amalgamation and a, just a kind of just in a nutshell, what bothered the Bearcats the entire final five minutes, Neil, I'm all for taking outside shots. I'm all for analytics. I'm all for hunting the best shot quality, the best shot diet possible, but you cannot be this bad of a shooting team and go in there in the final five minutes and not get any contact at the rim, not get any layups, not get any good looks high percentage-wise at the rim. And Wes Miller talked about that after the game, saying the team teams are packing the paint on them and forcing them to shoot from outside. Then I guess there's just no answers. I guess there's just no answers. If you're just going to be forced to shoot all threes, which is what they did from basically the six-minute mark up until the final 20 seconds of the game, I'm not going to count Odio Guama's garbage time layup with with a, with with the game obviously no longer in question at that point it's just it's a broken offense right now for Cincinnati especially when a guy like Victor Locken plays as bad as he did in comparison to what West Virginia answered on the other side from their big man and Jesse Edwards you did a great job Neil highlighting it he was an absolute force everywhere except the free throw line and this is where I have to throw some stones at the coaching here man like how in the second half as you mentioned, Neil, if a guy is nine for nine from the field and two for seven at the free throw line, three of nine overall, how are you not fouling him, hack-a-shacking Jesse Edwards every time he touches the ball one-on-one -on -one in the paint? He should never, ever have gotten clean looks in the second, in the final 10 minutes of this game at any point. He should have been fouled every single time, should have been forced to make his free throws, which he hit at a 33% clip in this game and justifiably hit it that, that poorly because he was dealing with that broken wrist. He still had that thing wrapped up and it was still affecting that free throw motion. And then, I mean, like the backcourt, man, moving from the front court to the backcourt. 
And Jamil Reynolds does not can, cannot skate by here as we move to the backcourt because, like, I, I got to touch on his front court. Just disastrous season so far. Coming off of the clearance by the NCAA, Jamil Reynolds has done absolutely nothing for this program, Neil. Absolutely nothing. He has not given them any depth at all in the front court. He's averaging 5.3 rebounds and 0.3 assists on 47% shooting as a center. Like, that's awful. To be at 47% from the field with his shot diet as close to the rim as he takes his looks, I mean, they're not getting nearly enough production out of the front court that they need. Aziz Bandago, we all know he's limited offensively. You can't look to him to be the scoring prowess and be the scoring marker that most teams would expect from a rotational big man. He's doing a great job defensively, but I mean, the front court has been a mess of late, and it seems like it's just getting worse and worse with Lockin posting his worst game as a Bearcat. And then the backcourt, man. Davion Thomas hits a couple threes in the second half, but overall, he's been horrible. He has been a horrible, horrible, horrible producing player this season. There's no way to get around it. I mean, I, he's he's continuing to shoot. That's all he can do. I know we talked about it on the interview with him last week or earlier this week, but sub 40% on the season, he's shooting like sub 33% from three. I mean, I, I, they're not getting nearly enough from this backcourt right now, Neil. I mean, where where are the answers going to come from? It seemingly is only going to come from C.J. Frederick because with a nine-point lead like they had with five minutes left, 60-51, to 51, with how great their defense is, and you go on to put up five points in the final six minutes, it's just even if you have the best offense on the planet, it's just so hard to maintain those type of leads if you're going to be this hapless on one end of the ball. Yeah, they definitely needed some kind of presence inside last night because – Obviously, we had our live show at Mio's last night where we were talking about it, JT and Alex and I, that this was a game where they needed production in the front court just due to the size that West Virginia was presenting between Quinn's uh, Zelinski and then Jesse Edwards. This was a night they needed a guy like Victor Locken to step up or even Jamil Reynolds. And then it looked like Jamil Reynolds could get going early. Then you get the technical foul. And then that's what kind of alluded to him at the end. But I, man, I was impressed. Odio Guamo had four points in a minute. I know he's kind of fallen out of the rotation, but in a matchup like that, that could have been something you could have used to kind of spark some momentum because Odie is that energy guy. But in the end, they have to find ways down the down the stretch to just try and drive and get to the basket. It just seemed like John Newman has been that guy lately in Dan Skillings. But you look down, Dan Skillings shooting six for 19 on the night. And I mean, his first couple shots weren't, weren't the best of best of shots to say the least. And then see I mean, Neil, had- Neil, nobody on this team is talented enough as a scorer and consistent enough as a scorer to justify 19 shots individually in a game ever this season. And that was put on full display right there with Dan hitting six of those 19 attempts. Sorry, continue. But it's just like, it's not like he started hot. He was, I think, Oh, for four, one for five from the field to open the game. Yeah, as you mentioned, he was one for five to start. I thought he found his groove there in the second half. I mean, Day-Day Thomas knocked down a couple huge threes there as well in the second half that kind of looked to build some momentum. But in the end, in down the stretch, if you know you're struggling to get a bucket, just try and contact tight. And, I mean, John Newman's been notoriously good for doing that this season. But they need, somebody else. Else, they need somebody else to step up and kind of be that guy who can drive the paint get to the line. Dan Skillings has shown flashes of it this season, but in a situation like that, you cannot shoot two free throws in a second half on the road versus a very poor West Virginia team. 
And that was a game, even the West Virginia media was kind of sitting there wondering, like, how did how did we just come away with a victory here? And they're looking down at it. I mean, the stats, like, it just jumps off the page. West Virginia shot 50% from the foul line last night, and they still were able to maintain that. But meanwhile, Cincinnati goes six for eight from the line, which is 75%, but you got to have more than eight free throw attempts per game here in the Big 12 Conference. You just have to, and especially heading into a stretch of four straight versus quad one opportunities without counting UCF. Yeah, UCF is going to be quad quad one. Yeah, it'll be a quad. It'll be it'll, no, it'll be a quad two game because it'll, it'll be, be a quad two. So you have three quad ones and a quad two with UCF. You gotta find ways to get to the line because you know when you're coming going into this weekend, you have Texas Tech, you have Houston, you have Iowa State, and then you have UCF. And look what happened. UCF played them very well here last weekend. And if they don't get in foul trouble early, I think that's a you're looking at a much closer game. But that was a game where the Bearcats started out down 12. You go into their place down 12, UCF might be able to pull away. I mean, we are talking about the Big 12, but got to find ways to even just take the free opportunities when they're there. Just get to the line, get teams in foul trouble, and that is something that they have struggled to do this season outside of the UCF game on Saturday. Yeah, and actually has four straight quad one opportunities because UCF just inside the top 75 of the net. They're number 72. When you go on the road in a top 75 matchup in the net, that counts as a quad one opportunity. So four straight quad one opportunities for the Bearcats. We'll touch on how they look in the NCAA tournament projections after this break. But, I mean, the backcourt, man. The backcourt is the biggest issue hands down for me right now. I think, Victor Locken, we can attribute some of these issues to the illness, to the rustiness, to the not being able to be on the practice floor as much as you would have been over the past week. We'll give him a pass for that for sure. Jamil Reynolds, he's out of passes. He's got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. I mean, he's not an international player. There was some, there was a bad drop that happened in IL wise for Jamil Reynolds. He's not earning it right now. Straight up. He's just not earning that that status of being an NIL caliber player for this program. He's got to figure it out. He's got to find it. I think he would agree with me a thousand percent, especially when you look at the way he eloquently laid out by Neil, negatively a hundred percent on his own impacted a game that was decided by four points ultimately in the end last night. And then overall, I mean, Day-Day Thomas, man, past four games, he's shooting 18% from three. 18%. And that's with the two makes factored in last night. 18%. 33% overall, 42% from two-point range. It's just not good enough. 36.9% effective field goal percentage. That cannot be what your number one ball handler is giving you night in and night out. He's another player that I'm sure would agree with me in that assessment. John Newman at this point, he should get the keys in my opinion. Just just ride him out as much as you can. I know you got to work him hard on defense, but offensively you got to figure out something. You got to come up with some kind of consistency and the only consistency this offense finds is when John Newman is in attack mode and getting a high usage rate on that end offensively. It's a lot to ask though of a guy who has to take that top defensive assignment every single night on the perimeter. Neil Meyer, Russ Elton, we'll be back to touch on the NCAA tournament hopes for UC and look at that, uh, give our assessment of what, what went down last night with John Newman's injury. And C.J. Frederick works out ahead of the game. Good sign for his return to the Cincinnati Bearcats lineup, all coming up on Bearcat Blitz.
Bearcat Blitz cruising along here on a later edition show of our normal week slates. The Bearcats drop a brutal, brutal contest, 69-65 to West Virginia, their first Q3, Q4 loss of the season. It honestly didn't do a ton of damage to their net ranking because as we sit today on Thursday, they only dropped to number 34 in the net after entering the game at number 33. But the bracket projections not loving the Bearcats right now. When we look at the latest update on bracket matrix going into the game, Cincinnati was featured on just 40 of 86 NCAA tournament fields on the 2024 bracket matrix. And when we look at team rankings, just overall rough estimates of the Bearcats, they had a 43 point or they own a 43, 44, excuse me, 44.3% chance to make the NCAA tournament. And Neil going into that game against West Virginia, it was at 60.4. They went from a projected eight seed to outside of team rankings field with the loss. And man, it's it's really seeming like they have to go go and get three Q1 wins the rest of the way and not lose any of these remaining three Q3 games if they want to make the 2024 NCAA tournament. If they lose the next three games consecutively, I don't see how they make the field if they lose to number 15 Texas Tech and then also drop games to number one Houston and number 10 Iowa State. That is uh, number 29 Texas Tech in the net, number one Houston in the net, and number 10 Iowa State in the net coming up over the next three. If they don't win one of those, Neil, stick double forks in it. It's over. Yeah, and that's it's a huge stretch coming up, but thinking ahead of it, it's a stretch where – it's not like the first month where they've had six straight versus a Kansas, a Texas, a Baylor, a TCU. But this is this next stretch is tremendously important for West Miller and the Bearcats. And it starts right here on Saturday. I mean, you got a quick turnaround to go to Lubbock, Texas, which, as you mentioned, Russ, the Red Raiders are 11 and 0 at home. Pop Isaacs has been leading the Raiders down there to a tremendous sophomore season. I mean, he's coming was a tremendous player during his freshman season, earning big 12 honors as a freshman and now leading them this season. And then you got to go on the road to Houston or you welcome in Houston. Houston, that first Houston matchup will be at home. And by that point, Houston might be higher than what they're ranked right now at number four. And then you got to come back. You did get a week off between those games. So that's a positive for sure. Yeah. The week off will be extremely important especially depending on the health of John Newman which we'll know more later tonight and then the status of CJ Frederick if he how far along in this rehab process he is so if you get that week off if he isn't able to go Saturday and they save him for the week off I mean that might be a smart thing in this situation get him fully healthy for the final stretch but it this is a stretch for the Bearcats Russ where they got to win at least two of the three versus Houston Iowa State and Texas Tech if they don't win two of the three I think it's kind of going to be damaging for the record, but really you, you think they got to go two of three. See, I think they got to go two and two in this next four yeah. and win at least one of these next three to be able I to justifiably. Yeah. Two and two is right because UCF is obviously a team they've already seen and faced and took care of business, but still a factor. They got to go on the road. And next thing you know, Texas tech is great at home. Iowa State's not going to be a team that just comes into fifth third and folds the chairs and hangs it up early. They're going to be a team that fights to the very end. 
then you still have a Houston team. And let's be honest, Houston, this Houston team, despite not being 100% healthy, could be a team that we see in the final weekend of the March Madness tournament. I hate to say it, but they are really good. Jamal Sheed, what he is doing right now down there in Houston is phenomenal. And that was the reason he came back this season was for a season like this. So, I mean, Houston's clicking on all cylinders right now, but these this next two-week stretch, Russ, is going to be what is huge for West Miller and the Bearcats. And I think it starts this Saturday. If you can go to Texas Tech and Lubbock and get a win, great hands. You're fire up that momentum heading into the off week. And then you can just build off of that from there. I mean, you get a whole week off ahead of Houston and then Iowa State. But it, it starts, I got to go at least two or three in the next three-game stretch heading into UCF. That's that's my projections. And I just think right now in this situation, after that loss to West Virginia, and this is a season where we've talked about it all season, Russ. They have been so close in these games, but just can't find ways to finish down the stretch. And it hurt them again last night. But if they can get one of get two or three of these right now, it flips the momentum. And then they're looking at two quad one wins to add to the resume potentially. And I think that's what they need right now for me to solidify a spot heading into March turn the March Madness tournament. Looking at ESPN matchup predictor they give over the next four games, you see the best chance to beat, obviously, UCF. That kind of goes without saying they're the weakest team of the four on the road, a 53% chance to pull that off. And they give Cincinnati, or excuse me, a 46.9% chance to pull that off at UCF, a 42.1% chance to beat Iowa State at home, a 16.4% chance to take out Houston, and just a 29.2% chance to take out the Red Raiders this coming Saturday. So obviously uh, it would be a shock, a complete shock if they are able to defend home court against Houston and get the job done there. But two wins out of the other three opponents, I think is necessary. And I heard it from Neil. He's looking for two wins over the next three games to really bounce back. And it could be possible if they have a full allotment of talent, maybe getting CJ Frederick back this Saturday at Texas Tech, I think it's a possibility. We'll hear more from Wes Miller this evening, Neil. But touching on Frederick first before we get to the most recent injury with Newman, great sign that he's out there getting a not a necessarily a full workout, it seemed like, at West Virginia, but a ramped-up workout. That's great to see. He's been getting shots up, uh, got shots up starting last week, and has been practicing a little bit. I don't know if it's in a – it's, it's tough to tell. We can't tell. We haven't been at practice to be able to see really what kind of – limited or full go or anything like that cj's been but he's back on the floor a little bit he's back in action and we're going to hear from west miller regarding his status i would say in my eyes if there's no more setbacks over the next two days 70 percent chance i would say 70 75 percent chance we see cj frederick and a hundred percent chance he will be back for the houston game at the very minimum if he does not end up going against texas tech knock on wood save for any setbacks with that hamstring injury yeah, and I'm the same way. I mean, from the reports I got from Ethan Bach, who was on scene last night when C.J. Frederick went through his workout, what he was telling me was going on. I mean, he said it. he looked extremely close, but that was the most activity we've seen C.J. do in the last month because of the injury. So, But from what Ethan saw in pregame warm-ups, he saw him get a sweat up, looked like he was really out there going through an extensive workout. So that is a huge sign. For West Miller and the Bearcats, obviously, it's been about a month, a little over a month now since that hamstring injury occurred. December 22nd. 
against Stetson. December 22nd was when he re-aggravated it. So overall, I think I'm, I'm in the same boat with you, Russ. I think if there's no setbacks over today and tomorrow, I think there's possibly a 70, 75% chance we see a guy like CJ Frederick play versus Texas Tech. But still to be determined because you never know with this coaching staff. I mean, Wes Miller said it earlier in the season that they are going to play the injury game as safe as possible. He's not going to take it serious and he's not going to risk anything. And it would not be surprised me if they even hold him out. It really wouldn't. And build him up, get an extra week heading into the the final stretch that I wouldn't count that out as an option either. Um, but overall, once you get him back, I think this is a very different team, but the bigger injury right now, Russ is a guy like John Newman, the heart and soul of this team. I mean, he looked like it. I couldn't really tell if it was a rib or a hip, but he got blown up trying to get through a Quinn's Belinsky. It seemed like a rib. It was like a, he got hit like lower was, abdomen right above the hip. So maybe it was like, right. Maybe it was a hip pointer. It might've been where it was straight was, at the top of that hip, but he had a huge wrap of ice and he came back to the bench during the game. You, so I think that's a great sign, right, Neil? Yeah, I think that was a great sign that he was on the bench towards the end of the game, but you kind of you kind of felt for him when you saw him sitting there with all the training staff around him. Right. Watching watching Raekwon battle, a guy he'd shut down the entire game, go and hit a freaking basically game ceiling three in the final minute while he has to watch with an ice pack on him. Yeah. And that was a game where I mean, everyone who knows John Newman's career, you, you could kind of feel like a pin drop once you saw him laying on the court last night dealing with that. What looks to be a rib injury, obviously everyone knows rib injuries aren't exactly easy to come back from, especially with how physical and aggressive that a guy like John Newman plays. I mean, let's be honest, Russ, he's taking the contact or he's drawing contact. So this is a guy who plays with a lot of physicality. So I'm curious to see how this update comes later tonight from Wes Miller on his radio show, live from the original Montgomery Inn out in Kenwood. So overall, those are the two injury updates we got, but more more worried about a guy like John Newman, especially heading into a talented Texas Tech team on Saturday. Right. Only a two-day turnaround. It's the soft tissue injuries. Obviously, they a lot of times get worse that next day with the flare-up and the swelling and all that stuff. So we'll see if it's soft tissue. We'll see if it's a bone. We'll see if it's a contusion. Get the latest update from uh, from Bob Mangine to Wes Miller to the Bearcats fans' ears on the uh, 700 WW radio show. Where they will also be carrying Saturday's contest against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. We'll give a player to watch and a prediction coming up after this to close out the show on Bearcat Blitz. Bearcat Blitz, final segments of the week as we get ready for the Texas Tech Red Raiders welcoming in the Cincinnati Bearcats. On Saturday afternoon, when we look at this one, Texas Tech number 15 in the AP poll, a 70.8% ESPN matchup predictor favorite. On this one, they average about 77 points per game, 68.1 points per game allowed. And they are neck and neck with Houston. One game or one win back of the Houston Cougars, a half game back overall with a 5-2 and two conference record to Cincinnati's 3-5 and five mark and a 16-4 and four overall record out of the 
Texas Tech Red Raiders. This is a team, Neil, that can fill it up offensively. They're a fantastic three-point shooting team, arguably the best three-point shooting team in the conference. They have the number one percentage among all Big 12 offenses from outside so far this year. They're led by Pop Isaacs who is going to get him up from the three-point line, that's for sure. He's not a super efficient three-point shooter. He's okay, hovering around 33.3%, 7.7 triple tries per game, 17.4 points per game overall. Has uh, unfortunately had some run-ins with the law that we're not going to dive into uh, too deeply because we don't have much time to on this show. But Pop Isaac's still on the floor for Texas Tech as we do this show right now, and he's the number one usage rate player in the conference, Neil. 30.1% of the Red Raiders' possessions run through Pop Isaacs. He is the number one option that Cincinnati's going to have to shut down, and he is the number one reason why they need John Newman's stature. They need his status. They need all of him on Saturday afternoon. They need him to take out Pop Isaacs and put some more pressure on guys like Joe Toussaint, Devon Cambridge, Warren Washington, and more. A group of scorers for Texas Tech that's pretty diverse with the lead guy in Pop and four players averaging 10-plus points behind him. Pop Isaac's number one guy to stop, and you got to withstand the barrage of threes from Texas Tech, and you got to contest those threes at a high rate to win this one. I got Cincinnati dropping this game 85. Actually, no. We'll go. We'll keep the, the Bearcats defense cooking. 71 to 63. The Texas Tech Red Raiders win this one in what is a pretty much well-controlled second half and another offensive showing from Cincinnati where they just do not have a closer that can bring them over the top in the final minutes. What do you got, Neil? Yeah, so obviously my player to watch here is Joe Toussaint, the West Virginia transfer, veteran forward, averaging 13 points a game, four rebounds, leads the team in minutes, 661 minutes on the season. A very effective player there in the front court, averaging – on splits of 43, 31, and 86 on the season. So a very effective shooter there in the two-point mid-range game. But overall, as you mentioned, Pop Isaacs leads this offense. They have to find a way to contain him and really eliminate Joe Toussaint, obviously a six foot seven, six foot eight forward who has a tremendous experience playing in the Big 12 conference. So he knows what this gauntlet is day in and day out. And he has yeah, been West Virginia huge, last year. Huge upside for the Red Raiders this season. But my prediction, Russ, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Bearcats bounce back and get in the win column here. I'm gonna okay. go 78 to 74, and I think it's gonna be a close game. But I think the Bearcats can respond and bounce back in a win column on the road, and they're gonna silence the Red Raiders' home court advantage. And that is my prediction. I think this is a great rebounding opportunity, but they know what's at stake, and it's got to start this Saturday. Great ball movement out of this Red Raider team. Top 65 nationally in assists. As I mentioned, top 35 nationally in three-point percentage. They're shooting it even better in conference play. They were in the mid-30s in non-con, and now they're shooting close to 42% from deep in conference play. Going to be a brutal, brutal defensive ask for a defense in Cincinnati that has met the mark almost every game of the season. What, Neil? They've only allowed over 70 points in conference play two times or one time? Two times. Have, two times. So solid defense so far. Looking for that offense to pick up the slack, pick up the pace, and catch up. Maybe catching up with C.J. Frederick's return on Saturday. We'll be catching all of that on the news feeds over the ensuing couple of days. Big one on deck for Cincinnati up against the Texas Tech Red Raiders, a team they have never 
traveled to face and I've only battled it one time. I think it was about 60 years ago in the NCAA tournament. So another big first in the opening slate of games in the Big 12 for Cincinnati. For Neil Meyer, I'm Russ Elman. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network presented by Bet Online. <laughs> Seconds left, shot clock off, four-point game. DeJulius, hooked up a three. Yeah!